On this episode, we discuss Zoolander 2. Why? <laughs> Jesus. There's other people in this apartment building. And welcome to the Flop House. I'm Dan McCoy. Hey guys, I'm Stuart Willington. Wow, there's a cool guy over there, but I'm not. <laughs> it's me, Ellie Kalen. <laughs> oh boy, look at this nerdling over here. <laughs> uh, um, uh, uh, what, are, uh, what are we doing, that guys? What cool thing yeah, are we doing? Nothing, Poindexter. A... Get out of here. Oh man. I thought he was a clown at first. <laughs> <laughs> they won't laugh at me in the future. My name Poindexter will mean a lot. Buster Poindexter. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the story. That's how it happened. <laughs> welcome to uh, this week's episode of that. That's how it happened. <laughs> I'm Stuart Wellington. I'm Dan McCoy. And I'm Elliot Kalin. And we're the hosts of... And That's How It Happened. The sto- show that tells you... How it happened. And also... That's. <laughs> today on the show, The Flop House. How did that happen? Well, we watch a bad movie and then we talk about it. That's how it happened. That's how it works. Can I just take a moment to say... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, there's a thrill that I didn't think I'd experience this early in my son's life. Okay. Which he's just turned three. The thrill of him turning to me and saying, which I'm just pushing him in the stroller down the street and hearing him turn to me and say, Daddy, remember that That's How It Works song that you sang? (laughs) Yeah, I do. Can you sing it to me? (laughs) And my heart grew a thousand times its size. And the rest of the night was spent me singing That's How It Works to my son. And then he would say, Speaking of birthdays. You remember the whole thing? Yeah. Well, you're a real hit maker. Among my son, like, I'm a huge hit maker. You're like Motown. All my, my songs are on the lips of all the my sons there are. You're like uh, Rock City USA or whatever. Yeah, yeah, sure, whatever that is. I'm imagining you pushing your son in his stroller through the streets of Park Slope, singing That's How It Works, and shutters are being slammed. <laughs> Roll-down gates are hastily pulled down. An alligator peeks out of the out of the sewers and goes, ugh, and then pulls the manhole cover over itself. Yeah. A, a squirrel yeah. jumps into a tree and then blinds shut over the knot hole. There's a fancy dinner party and people's wine glasses shatter as your mm-hmm. reedy voice comes filtering through the window. <laughs> Dark man recedes back into the, the uh, to the alleyway that he was peeking out of. Yeah, the Statue of Liberty snaps her torch in two and stuffs them in her ears. <laughs> uh, Pretty accurate. Um, okay. So yeah, what do we do here, Dan? I just said it. Say it I again. Just fucking Say it said, again. I just fucking Say it again, I dare you. I just I double dog dare you. you if you don't do it, it you have to eat I'll two dogs. do it. We watch a bad movie, and then we talk about it. Guys, we watched a movie tonight. Did we? <laughs> like, we watched, I, like, I'm going to need you guys' help summarizing this movie tonight, because so much of it flowed mm. out of my ears. It's like, it, flew, it flowed in my ear and my brain, and then in my eyes, and then my brain went, No. Not letting you in. Yeah. This is not entering the memory banks. Mm-hmm. And then it flooded right out of my other ear. Yeah. Like you so were, much wax. Yeah, you were standing out in the rainstorm that was this movie. Occasional chunks of hail mixed in with the rain. Mm-hmm. 
Those were the jokes. Yeah. Screaming to the heavens. Tearing at my <laughs> at my undershirt, yelling, Stella! Mm-hmm. Or maybe this is that scene in School Ties. Or, or this could be King Lear. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, 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 Raising Arizona. Anything where people are yelling in the rain. Mm, yeah. Um, I'm yelling in the rain, uh-huh. just yelling Barely. in the rain. I left my Not keys even. inside, oh, and I can't get out of the Are we rain. Five minutes in. <laughs> <laughs> Please open the door. I don't want to be outside anymore. I guess I'll just yelling. text my mom back. <laughs> the rain, dedicated That's... to Debbie Reynolds. <laughs> Come on, she's a listener. My, my mom. Oh, wait, Debbie, Debbie Reynolds? Reynolds? <laughs> yeah, Debbie Reynolds. Oh, man. She's listening from beyond the grave. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> She's here in this room right now. Speaking of, let's start at the end of this movie. The the, the credits of this movie are offend, are horrible. But at the, they end with a dedicated to and then a person. And I can think of. What a no, mighty cenotaph. <laughs> no larger slap to a corpse's face mm-hmm. than to have Zoolander 2 dedicated to their memory. Mm-hmm. What a I memory mean, are, of the fallen. There's some <laughs> there's some great memorials out there. The Sphinx. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the Washington Memorial. And Monument. Then we would call it the Washington Z- Monument. Zoolander. Yeah. <laughs> and then Zoolander, Zoolander 2. 2. Through the portal oh, of time. Look upon you by works ye mighty in despair. <laughs> so we watched Zoolander 2. Yeah. Now, we were drawn to this movie at, in the way that you're drawn to an endurance test because going – let me just admit something right here. I'm a Zoolander virgin. I still have never seen the first one. So mm-hmm. Elliot, and now that let pause for the audience to gasp in shock yeah. that I didn't see one of the defining movies of, I guess, my classic college. Earbuds are being ripped now, out of ears right now. And yet that came all out. I knew, so all I knew about Zoolander two was this is the one movie Leonard Maltin has walked out of in his entire career as a reviewer. To bring us down, I believe that Zoolander came out right after nine eleven. Yes, and that was part of why it was like an underperforming film. It became a cult hit. Afterwards, but I do remember yeah. I was down in Savannah during my brief stint in uh, film school, and I was very depressed. And I would go to see movies all the time, and it was right Drunk after on mint juleps. Yeah, right. I remember being right after nine eleven. That's a Savannah drink, right? Being like, "What will heal the shattered nation?" I know Zoolander. It was. I will say this: uh, I tried to watch a movie right after September eleventh, and it was the day after, and I was in Manhattan because I was going to NYU. Sure. And the United Artists Theater on 13th Street and Broadway uh, had decided – I think it's the United Artists – had said – they put up signs all over all over the neighborhood that said, let's make today a day at the movies. Let's get our mind off our troubles. Free movies all day, free popcorn, all free refreshments. And me oh, and my nice. friends were like, yeah, okay. I mean we're feeling terrible and kind of scared. Let's go see a movie. I've heard Jeepers Creepers is a fun oh, is a fun horror romp. Oh, and like, boy. But like 15 minutes in, we have these huge things of popcorn and soda. We were like, uh, we can't really do this. Like, this feels weird. And we left a full theater and screening Jeepers Theater. You'll creepers. never know how they got those peepers. Uh, to this um. day, I don't know how his peepers got got. But <laughs> yep. it's true. I didn't go to the movies that much in the immediate aftermath of September 11th. No. Well, so, right, rightfully so. No, I, I was mean, too oh. busy having, being turned away at hospitals because they did not need any help. Aw. 
That's nice. Oh, you, uh, so you're doing something useful, whereas I was just like dicking around in college. But you were away. You weren't in the place it happened. No, that's true. I was in the middle of Indiana. Yeah. So we've really brought this movie, this this podcast Ooh, down. So anyway, right so the, but right Zoolander Two was released at many the, years it, later. Zoolander Two was released in the aftermath of a different national tragedy: <laughs> the production of Zoolander Two. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so Zoolander, I take it, is a movie about a supermodel who's a, who does model stuff. Yeah, it's yeah, a Manchurian it's like a, Candidate uh, take Emphasis off. on the man. It's Manchurian <laughs> Candidate, and there's okay. a little bit of an element of like a, like a comeback story. Mm-hmm. Because at the beginning of the movie, we see Ben Stiller's character, Derek Zoolander, go through, you know, like a, like a professional and personal loss. Sure. Mm-hmm. And he ha- has to fight his way back. Now, are you describing Zoolander 2 because it's the exact same plot as Zoolander 2? Wait, are you saying that Zoolander 2 uses some of the same plot elements? I sure hope it doesn't use any of the same jokes, Elliot. I wouldn't know that. I haven't seen the first one, but from your guys' reaction, it sure seemed like it did. <laughs> so let's dive into Zoolander 2, shall we? Something that no one has ever said. <laughs> Zoolander 2 That is- sounds like the worst family movie night. <laughs> Well, well, gather around, kids. kiddos. We're going to dive into Zoolander 2. It's about, I guess, a planet where zoos are everywhere. Hey, I know you love that Zoolander, so this will be a real treat. Hey, kids, you don't seem to be eating that slop gruel I'm feeding you. <laughs> are you oh, unhappy that you're gruel. chained to radiators? Now, and so, like, uh, so we wanted to see this movie. Uh-huh. I don't think we were adequately prepared for how, like, this movie, and it's not like this was a huge by Hollywood standards these days, it's not a huge budget movie. Looking up the budget was like fifty million dollars. Uh-huh. All the I'll say this for it. All that money's <laughs> up there on screen because this movie looks stupidly expensive yeah. for what it is delivering. But okay, it's Zoolander two. We en- we open with a long action sequence of Justin Bieber being tracked down by men on motorcycles and killed. This and I can is- only assume that the joke of that is we shot Justin Bieber. Like yeah. the joke of it is like, oh, this is what you want to see, guys, right? Justin Bieber. Oh, because I assume the, jo- the joke of it is, can you believe we got Justin Bieber to be in our movie? Because throughout the movie, there are pointless celebrity cameos where the, the yeah. only purpose is just to be like, and this guy's in the movie. Mm-hmm. What? This always works great. <laughs> Name one movie. Are you that's- doing the voice of uh, the director? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Name one movie that's built on celebrity cameos that's not great. Mm-hmm. Name one movie. Yeah. Name one bad movie where most of the gags just come from, I can't believe they got a celebrity to do that. Yeah, I mean, that's why Cannonball Run series is the finest series of comedy films ever well, made. they're the best. I will say, it's a mad, 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 mad world is essentially built on cameos and routines and that's a pretty funny movie oh, there's so long though there's this shot well if you can't handle it then yeah. watch it in halves look at that long ass title dude you should assume it's gonna be long <laughs> yeah, it's got cut four out mads two of those it. mads <laughs> but you better not cut out mads mickelson <laughs> no, no. what if it was called it's a mads 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 world mads mickelson is trying to get buried money and the only one who can stop him is another mads mickelson oh my god then there's a goofy mads mickelson who's along for the ride it's called Madsiplicity. It's a remake of Multiplicity starring Mads Mikkelsen. <laughs> uh, and they're a bad father? Yes. Wait, what's the story of Multiplicity? Or am I thinking Jack Frost? Uh, they're both. Both of them, he's a bad kind of... Well, he's, he just wants... I don't, does he have kids in Multiplicity? He's a bad... He, like, can't, he wants it all. He wants to be able to relax and yeah. have a family and a job. Mm-hmm. So does he get a magical remote control that he can click no, things to happen? No, that's Click, a movie that does not star Michael Keaton. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But does he take any desperate measures? The Milo no, Minara erotic comic. 
Uh, I think he was referring to click the Adam Sandler film <laughs> and not the softcore porn series based on the Milo Manara. But that's where your brain is, Dan. So, okay, that's fine. Uh, anyway, Zoolander 2, Justin Bieber is dead in what can only be described as a scene that in another movie would represent a bad movie. Mm-hmm. Like, the, yeah. where the joke would be, this looks like a bad movie. Yeah, I mean, you were, you were describing it that it looks like Ben Stiller made a fake action movie that you would see in the beginning of Tropic Thunder. Yeah, like those trailers, the beginning of Tropic Thunder, where you're like, those movies look ridiculous. Like, this movie feels like that movie. And that's, that's I think, the whole thing of it is that it feels like we're through the, like, weird mirror of it, where it... It feels like the movie doesn't understand what it's trying to be, whether it's trying to be a, a comedy that's parodying action films or if it's like, wait a minute, what if we were that action film? Well, that's it. Feel, the whole movie, exactly. It feels like they're trying to parody what people think are cool is cool and mm-hmm. stylish, but it also kind of wants to be cool and stylish. And so there are a bunch of scenes where it's like, somebody walking towards the camera as loud hip hop plays and there's lights flashing and they're walking in slow motion and they look super tough, but there's no real joke in it. The Mm -hmm. only, the joke is like, isn't this over the top, but it's, it's kind of cool though. Don't you think that's part of like Ben Stiller's motivation for making this movie where he's just like, wouldn't it be hilarious if I was a male model? I mean, I mean, I am pretty handsome. I mean, really, but if you look at me, but I think it would be really funny if I was a male model. I mean, I could pull it off, I guess. I totally could do that. Kind of. It does. This is the movie equivalent of when you're hanging out with a girl who's a friend of yours, and you're like, wouldn't it be funny if we like started making out? I mean, unless you're into it, in which case we could do it with not not as a joke, but it'd be pretty funny, you know, right? Like if you, but we could also like, and you're and you're trying to walk that delicate tightrope that no man has ever walked. The sex <laughs> you're trying to thread that perfect needle, <laughs> except the I thread doesn't the, exist, and the needle also doesn't exist. I love that the word that the conceit of this too is in that we live in a world where it would be hilarious if you just made that. <laughs> well, what a good. <laughs> it's hard to get the girl to buy into that premise. It's a pretty thin premise. <laughs> it's like the it's like the uh, yawn and put your arm around a girl's shoulder, where it's like, uh, at what point is does what what part of this fiction is she supposed to believe in? <laughs> to believe that while yawning and stretching, and then you just relaxed your arms and they fell back to their natural resting state, <laughs> which is all the way over here, <laughs> because everyone likes to rest their arm the same way they would signal that they're making a turn with their arms sticking straight out. No, it's convenient to have the arm your arm up that high because it's harder for the blood to get there from your heart, so your arm may fall asleep. <laughs> And then if it's that's what convenient means because if it's an idle hands type situation, you don't have to worry about your serial killer hands hurting anyone because they're asleep. All right, that movie's not streaming anywhere. I I discovered the other day. Okay, it's an outrage. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's take to the fucking streets. Let's start up a Kickstarter for our protest campaign. I mean, Kickstarter would be inappropriate for call, this specific thing. I guess call the true. Warner's archive and have them print up the DVD for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a Warner's movie? Well, they better buy that fucking movie so they can print it up an on-demand copy for me. <laughs> so you guys, you guys are telling me I should just go tell it to the Marines then? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or the Spartans. Yeah. <laughs> call the Army like in Monster Squad. Yep. But uh, that's the joke is that it works in Monster Squad. Spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Anyway, Zoolander two. Justin Bieber is killed in his last moments. He does a Zoolander face into Instagram. Cut to we're in Interpol, where former swimsuit model turned Interpol detective who wears red leather outfits, Penelope, Penelope Cruz, Cruz, realizes that Who's, all these. I guess up for it. She's, I mean, she's, she's trying. Game. Yeah. I Everyone mean. in this. No one in this movie half asses it. 
Yeah. Everyone in this movie is yeah. trying really hard to sell this material. Nobody dial- phones it in. Nobody, and if anything, and that's one, one of the- one man succeeds, but we'll and get to one that. Per- and there's one character in this movie who is very funny, and the performer succeeds. The rest of the movie doesn't really work. But you can't blame the performers for not trying. If anything, if they had had more, if they were a little looser with it, maybe it would have come across as less self-important. I don't know. Like, it's too big a movie. Yeah, I mean, I guess the, like, the broader, vaguely European fashion personas that they're throwing out there don't really i mean the first so the first zoolander was received criticism at the time i know it's hard to believe but it received criticism for the fact that it is not, it was not topical at all for the time like the the jokiness of like dumb models like these dumb models from the 80s had basically disappeared by the time the first zoolander came out so in a way, not only is this movie even less topical, but the fact that it's parodying these like cooler than school action movies, movies that don't really exist anymore. Like the only big budget action movies that are even kind of like this that seem successful are like the Fast and the Furious series. Or in some ways, like the way this movie ends up going with special effects and things like superhero movies a little bit. But like they're not, I don't think they're explicitly doing, it looks like, well, what it really looks like is they're parodying Certain like, sequences of Quantum of Solace. Okay, yeah. it feels like somebody was somebody didn't realize the Charlie's Angels movies were tongue in cheek. Yeah, <laughs> and they were like, no. oh, "Time to take McGee down." Yeah, the no, exactly. Like this feels like a Luc Besson produced movie, which also tongue in cheek. Like no one's taking the transporter too. What seriously. are you talking about? <laughs> and the car- like, they kind of. There was are a- you talking about the nurse lady in? lingerie that has two mini machine guns i just watched part of that the other day like i saw it and like there's literally like i think i know why he watched it she it just happened to be on when i was turning the channel just had me on when i was masturbating (laughs) and as she turned got out of the car there was literally just like the camera is just up in her like panty crotch for a second like like framed full screen just that as she's getting out of the, and it's the most unmotivated thing yeah yeah for, like it's already unmotivated that there's this assassin who walks around in lingerie and then they're like nope not good enough let's get it right up in there let's see what that's like the director's notes are like the shot begins it's so close we don't even know what we're looking at is this a forest <laughs> interior her thighs <laughs> we realize we're looking at a woman's crotch yeah we we pan back, real then pack, pan back forward again. <laughs> yeah, this, and we do an auga sound effect. I'll say this about the movie: the visual style is intense and extreme. It's constantly throwing crazy costumes and colors at you in a style that, and I get the joke is supposed to be how crazy and outlandish it is, mm-hmm. Zoolandish even. And but there's a certain point where it stops being jokey and it enters a realm that I would only call, and I mean this as respectfully as possible, shitty Fellini. Where it's like, <laughs> we're going to show you grotesque things on screen. Like, we're going to kind of change, mess with your mind because you go to movies to see beautiful things. And I'm going to show you that <laughs> ugly things can be beautiful too. And that, like, grotesquerie, when it's blown out enough, can become beautiful in its own way. And, like, Fellini pulls that off. Zoolander 2 doesn't quite pull that off. Are you so referring not, to scenes like <laughs> when... he's not as good a, a movie maker as Federico, Federico Fellini. Uh, yeah, Pepperino for the Fellini. What did you call it? <laughs> yeah, said it fe- right. Yeah, Federico. I'm saying that Fellini maybe knew more about making movies than the people yeah, behind could Zoolander be. too. Are you ta- Are you referring to scenes like the one where they could have had just a regular child in it, 
Or they could have had actor Fred Armisen be in that scene, and they decided, let's digitally take Fred Armisen's face and put it on a child's body so that it feels uncomfortable and alien to the viewer. You know that's you know the scenes in the Love Guru that didn't really work when we put Mike Myers' face. We I've never seen a, it because you told us we couldn't watch that movie for the podcast. Yeah, that's true. I did. Maybe you were yeah, worried that John Oliver would be mad at us. Now, well, John Oliver's he's he's you know what he's more he's famous enough that he can he's survive. He's launched Love into Guru. the stratosphere. Yeah, I think we can do it. We do it, and you get a call, <laughs> Elliot. Elliot, what the fuck? What's the fuck? You do it talking about Love Guru. I know you're doing it. Stop it. I can Stop see it. it. I can see you do it. I can and hear you like, doing it. Stop it. John, am I, am, am I in an over-the-shoulder graphic <laughs> yeah. right now and you're looking at it? Sharon. Sharon. <laughs> I can see you. You're the one who took it. Don't tell me I'm wrong. Sharon. <laughs> We've got a message for Elliot Kalin. <laughs> Fuck you. Well, we just took what we really took we down took it, last week. We took it the last time. <laughs> oh, he doesn't hear this. He doesn't listen. But uh, the uh, but Zoolander. Let's. I like. Don't even want to go through the plot in detail. But it involves Zoolander's wife has died in an mm-hmm. accident. Uh, his best friend Owen Wilson has been scarred, and we're given a ton of exposition delivered to us with a lot of fast moving graphics and. Talking heads. As many real-life news people as they yeah. get convinced to be in this. Because, again, the backbone of this movie is we got a lot of famous friends. Let's put them in this movie. Mm-hmm. And at, during the end credits, there's a shot of, I think, Jim Carrey in a mustache. Really? I think. I like it. Went <laughs> I don't know. Fast. He's a master of disguise. But it, and it was like, did, did they shoot a scene with Jim Carrey that didn't end up in the film? <laughs> they just threw a, a still of it at the end? <laughs> I mean, his name is Ben Stiller. Oh, do you remember when he was a rock and roll star with Crosby, Stiller, Nash, and Young? Oh, God, that's even worse. Oh, no, that was his dad, Jerry Stiller. Was, uh, uh, that was Kevin Nash, right? The <laughs> yeah, wrestler? It was Kevin Nash, <laughs> Jerry Stiller. It was, uh, uh, Bing Crosby. <laughs> Bing Crosby, yeah. And Carl Young. <laughs> oh, wow. And Crosby, Stiller, Nash, and Just Young. did too many drugs, right? That was their problem? They, I mean, they their sound was so fresh for the time. But yeah, they, they I mean, Young lost himself in hallucinogenics. Sure. Jerry Stiller, of course, had too many M&Ms, I assume. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Kevin Nash wanders the waste as one of the Magic Mike gang. <laughs> <laughs> and Bing Crosby, as we all know, took his own life as well as four others when he tried robbing a bank. Oh, no. That's what they call him Bank Crosby. Oh, God damn it. Okay, I want to get to the point where it's a pun, but the words don't sound anything like each other. <laughs> you got there, friend. <laughs> anyway, Ben Stiller's wife was killed. He's lost his son yeah. and doesn't know where he is. He's living in a remote part of frozen New Jersey in mm-hmm. a cabin, and Billy Zane comes along and says, hey, you've been offered to do this fashion show in Rome. You should do it. Maybe you can get your son back. Meanwhile, Owen Wilson lives in the desert with... A bunch of people that he met at an orgy. He refers to them as orgy. Uh, they it's a are, nice collection of people dressed up in different cultures' clothing. Yeah, yeah, and it's one of the few places that you see a lot of people. Not you see a lot of people of color or of different shapes in the whole movie. Basically, no, but you, it's great because their uh, their ethnicities seem to be part of the joke. Uh, yeah, of the course joke it is, is that they fuck. The joke is that oh. any of these people would have sex with like. Mm-hmm. There's a scene later where he is he is with another orgy of mismatched people, and there's like a rabbi and an old woman, and it's like this is hilarious. The people are Did not. You just call Susan Sarandon an old woman? No, there's you another asshole. old woman. Susan Sarandon <laughs> is a senior. Yes, but I would not call her that. Uh, if anything, to call her that is just showing that old women can also be sexy. 
Oh, now you made it gross. Uh, well, it's gross, Wait, the idea on. that older people would have sex drives. Wow, we're driving a dangerous lane. No, but that's, the thing, but that's the thing. The joke seems to be, it is hilarious that people who are not beautiful would have sex. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Only a, only a bizarre fetishist would have sex with someone who's not gorgeous. Like, mm-hmm. there's a number, they, when... When Zoolander meets or his son, not, they don't look basically exactly like you. Yeah, when Zoolander meets his son, his son is like overweight, and he and they're a bunch of, but they're a bunch of. You dealt with that description with a subtlety the movie lacks. Well, that's the thing. There are a lot of fat jokes just by putting where, the word "like" in front of overweight. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm trying to the, the uh, but the, what I'm trying to do is not do what the movie does, which is yeah. that Zoolander, to show his ignorance, makes a bunch of jokes about how fat this kid is. And then later, Will Ferrell returns as the villain and makes a lot of jokes about how fat this kid yeah. is. And it's like, movie, yeah, you, you can't realize movie. you can't look down at these people for making jokes that are in your movie. Like, you're trying to get people to laugh at fat jokes. Yeah. You can't pretend you're above it by putting it in the mouths of these other characters. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, where did we leave off? So he's, but he's, so, and, uh, Owen Wilson's living in the desert. Everyone in the orgy is pregnant, including Kiefer Sutherland. Mm-hmm. And he just, he gets, Hysterical. A, he also gets a job with, Billy Zane tells him about this job. They go to Rome to Zoolander to try to win back his son, Owen Wilson, to find out who he is and escape his life. And they end up in the middle of a, some kind of caper conspiracy that involves Zoolander's yeah, son getting not, kidnapped, and it's so it's and they so really like initially they they think that they're back into modeling, but they're actually just doing it as a joke, and then they feel bad, and but it's like all kinds of it bullshit, turns out man. they're they're the old they were putting this modeling show to represent old lame things, so that a new model played by Benedict Cumberbatch, who is a gender neutral insult to monster. trans people everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they, it's, a, it's another thing that, like, a behind the times thing where it's like, I could see them getting away with the concept of the joke, if not the way it's delivered 20 years ago, 30 years ago, maybe 10 or 15 years ago. I mean, the like, joke like, is no, supposed to be that, like, oh, there are a lot of androgynous models out there. Like, isn't that funny that that's a, a thing that exists in the modeling community? But instead, it comes across as, like, they're like, this person doesn't know whether they're male or female, like, and it's it's crazy that they're gender non-binary. Like, and it, it doesn't help that uh, Benedict Cumberbatch's performance is as low as possible, as low energy as they can make. Yeah, it. but I'm, that's the way the character is supposed to be, I assume. But it's not low energy when he, during the fashion show, swoops down in a winged harness, mm-hmm. screeching like a hawk and whipping uh, Ben Stiller and <laughs> Owen Wilson, and yep. it's like. Why did it, but Benedict Cumberbatch take this role? Oh, now I see why. <laughs> How often do you get to be a hawk monster whipping other people? Yeah, and as you put it, like the first time he shows up, it did feel like a scene that you're like, why did they, they could have just cut this scene. Well, also because the character doesn't come back. Like, it's a one-off joke. The character doesn't come back as like... He's a busy dude, man. Well, Cumberbatch Cumber is dude. a big uh, Zoolander head. He, he's a big he, Z head. He really wanted to be in this movie. He's like, I will do anything, any like the most offensive, stupid idea you come <laughs> up with. Just put me in a costume. Look, I'm a Zoolander fan. We call ourselves ZDs. Yeah. This is what, then I want to be there. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big pothead, so they call me a baked ZD. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in Zoolander culture, that's what potheads are called. <laughs> 
There's a I've, new. There's I'm, a new I'm, I'm concerned about this like group of Overwatchers. These like the <laughs> they that are labeling everybody. <laughs> Just imagine a, like a. Local, I'm not a Z. Who watches the Watchmen, Stu? You know who's Z, who's Z's the Z man. <laughs> I I were I now I want to see like a scare story on the news about are your kids getting involved with Z heads? There's a new subculture on the streets. Zoolander fans. They call themselves ZDs. <laughs> they put on different colors of of makeup, or they put on different colors of lipstick, and they kiss their DVDs of Zoolander too. <laughs> and with yeah, Zoolander rainbow parties. <laughs> yep. Uh, uh, look so, it up, kids. If you don't know that urban legend, that urban legend. Oh, it swept the nation. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> that it's it's a sign of how like the best our urban legends can do now mm-hmm. is. That one presidential candidate is involved in a child sex abuse ring. That's the best we can do. In the 80s, every preschool in the country was supposedly involved in satanic abuse rings. Yeah, dude, there was like a leather man running all over the place, right? <laughs> uh, probably. So Are you I'm talking so- about the hobo? <laughs> yeah, the hobo Walked leather man. That's no, well, that was 150 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> that was in the 1980s. That was the, the mid-19th century. So what I'm saying is... There's not enough fake news. Let's get some more stuff out there. Sure. Anyway. But there's like a weird uh, conspiracy thing going on where like the pop stars are supposedly the pop stars the, are being murdered. They're being murdered. Movie. But they're, they're like the protectors of this spe- this chosen one child that's supposed to come. Well, it's explained by Sting. Yeah. Wearing a beard that I can only describe as slightly better than Vin Diesel's in The Last Witch Hunter. <laughs> well, it looks like he's like he came straight off the set of that pirate musical he did. Uh, the Last Ship was not a pirate musical. It wasn't. It was about a, it was about like an Irish town. No, it's a Scott. It's about a UK town that builds ships Look, and, the, and the plant is closing I down. Just, I just saw a performance of the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Once. You should have. You should have when you didn't see any pirates. Was Jackie Chan in the performance? Could you tell? Was Jackie Chan a pirate? Is my question. <laughs> because he if, would be great. If that's not a movie. It should be. He's kind of like an Errol Flynn type. Here's my pitch. It's Captain Ron, but it's Jackie Chan. It's called. Captain Chan, That's there's amazing. a lot more action in it. Let's do okay. it. That's uh, going to be the who's gonna, idea. Who's going to step into the Marsh, uh, Martian, Martian shorts? <laughs> <laughs> Martian shorts. <laughs> oh no! Greetings, Earthling. I can do many impressions. I'm a I'm a I'm a triple threat singer, actor, comedian. <laughs> I, I come. Greetings, from Mars. Earthling. I must say. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, like Pat Sajak isn't the most decent person in the world. Now for my next character, Jiminy Gleepglorp. <laughs> Martian Rose. Short. Who's he so who's going to play Martin Short in this <laughs> Captain Chan? Uh, who's going to play Mar- Um Well, who, let's see. Who's going to who play the like perfect a foil for mud. Jackie Chan? Yeah, super stick Idris Elba. <laughs> oh, Wow. <laughs> Okay, that makes sense because they're physically very similar. But Jackie Chan, uh, I guess he's the the tougher of the two because he's. I mean, he does his own stunts. Yeah, that's true. For, I mean, he is a martial artist. Did you see that video? There was just uh, put some glasses on Idris Elba. That'll signal that he's a, a retiring. But it makes him even hotter. That's oh, the no. problem. I was watching the thi- Dan. The things that would look nerdy on me look super hot on a handsome black oh. guy. Scarves, bow ties, loafers. You don't have to fucking tell me. I bought a, uh, <laughs> I, I got a like vintage uh, wool tweed overcoat. Uh, I'm be- sure you look like a big nerd because I was like, you're uh, like Tyrese can wear this. I was like, oh, Idris, <laughs> Idris Elba yeah, yeah. looks so good in this in Luther, and then I'm like, 
Oh, the problem is I'm not Idris Elba. Yeah, it's Idris Elba that's making it look good. It's not the coat that looks good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Did you ha- did you have like a vision in your head that you'd look at look at yourself in the mirror wearing the coat and you'd be Idris Elba? <laughs> yeah, my fucking like, magic. Be my fucking magic coat. <laughs> I think everyone's had that experience of being like, this is the magic piece of clothing. This is the one oh, that's going to sure, do yeah. it. I mean, I kind of stopped having that after like middle school <laughs> where I'm like, wow, these fucking wow, this awesome. Fe- this fedora doesn't really work, does it? <laughs> oh, I, yeah. I did. Fedora definitely was what I tried. Yeah. I'll look like Humphrey Bogart now. Nope. I just look like an Orthodox Jewish kid. <laughs> there was like, there was a kid I was People friend- avoided you because they were worried that you were going to ask them if they're Jewish so you could bless them. <laughs> so, so I could hand them a lulav and an etrog and force them to waste a minute of their day doing prayers for my messiah oh, i hate the i'm not a fan of those guys i want i told you guys i may have mentioned the podcast now but when i snapped at one of those guys i had i was thinking about an idea when i was leaving the subway and i had, had, i wanted to get right i wanted to stop yeah, so you I could like, write it down it's frankenstein's monster god damn it <laughs> and the a guy who took us excuse me are you jewish and i went can i not have one moment to myself to think and he backed away, and I felt bad afterwards. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah. um, but anyway, they reminded me of a friend of mine in elementary school who got, he was probably like nine, and he got mirrored sunglasses, and he wanted everyone to call him <laughs> Michael J. Fox. <laughs> because that was well, the apex of cool. I think the problem is more with the second half of that than the first half of the thing. I think he probably could have looked okay in this mirrored yeah, sunglasses. He pulled off the he still looks like a kid wearing mirrored sunglasses. <laughs> This, uh, okay, so so there's this prophecy that Sting tells them about yeah. um, that in the Garden of Eden there was there everyone's looking for this fountain of youth. It turns out in the Garden of Eden there was Adam and Eve and Steve and Steve was the most be- the first ever model and he's the most beautiful person ever and he had a magic face that cre- when he looked at you hard enough it turned water into magic life giving water or something and the the legend is that. If you tear out the heart of one of his descendants and blood spurts forth from it, it becomes the fountain of youth and you'll stay young and beautiful forever. And Zoolander goes, oh, no, my son is in danger. Well, actually, they go, oh, no, your son is in danger. And he's like, why? What? Huh? Because the joke is that he's stupid. He doesn't. And there's mm-hmm. it's one of many times during the movie when I was like, why is Zoolander in this movie? Yeah. Why did they bother to go get him? Because, like, he's not doing anything. He's mm-hmm. except, like, he, he accomplishes nothing until the very last scene. And even then, he doesn't really accomplish anything. Like, but anyway, there's, there, there, that was, that was the first bad reaction I had where I was just giving up on the movie. The second was when, so Will Ferrell breaks out of fashion jail, villain from the first movie, I assume. And he, <laughs> he, we see him in the hundredth silly, like, like goofy fashion outfit. And I went, and Stuart heard me go, enough. (laughs) (laughs) But that's the whole point of the movie, Elliot, is to take actors and put them in wacky costumes. I got to say, that's the joke. I like wacky costumes, but like, come on, you got to have something other than that. I got to say that one of the things that bothered me the most about the movie comedically, and I commented on this while we're watching it, is it's one of these movies where they will make a joke. And then the characters within the movie will comment on the joke or draw attention to the joke. Like that farm like, table Wi-Fi joke? Well, the one that I was thinking of later in the movie is Hansel uh, is talking to Derek Zoolander's son. And he's like, he loves you like you're one of his own. Which is like not a hilarious joke, but it's or, or a joke. Loves you like you're his, like his own son or something like that? Well, or? no, like, like, like you're, no, he's just like, like you're one of his oh, own. Okay. And, and he goes, but I am his son. And it's like, yeah, we get the fucking thing, man. 
we get it. Like you don't need like, it's like the thing on Saturday Night Live it. where there's always a character who's like, "But why would you do that? That's crazy. What yeah. are you doing that for?" I mean, for? that's half of their fucking sketches. <laughs> yeah, I guess. But <laughs> introduce a wacky character, and then half of the people just react to them. There's a scene where so Fred Armisen is showing Fred kid Fred Armisen, mm-hmm. creepy digital effects kid Fred Armisen is showing them through their hotel they're staying in. It was tough for me to really focus because my brain wasn't understanding what I was looking at. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, there's a your mind was rejecting it. He, <laughs> yeah, goes, exactly. he goes, and we you have... saw a white screen. <laughs> yeah. yep. You're like, guys, are we watching a movie? <laughs> your your eyes went blind to protect yeah, yourself. Guys, where'd we go? <laughs> you had a series of what doctors refer to as protective mini strokes. <laughs> so oh, we've seen we've seen these a lot. Zoolander two, mm, Zoolander two, much like uh, firemen would tear down a house in the path of a fire to stop its pa- stop its progress. Your brain decided to shut itself down rather than watch Fred Armisen in this weird scene. Thank you, Doctor, for putting it into a historical context. <laughs> I figured you'd understand it better if it had to do with with ancient fire prevention techniques. Like the kind maybe in uh, in the Edo era of Japan. <laughs> that sounds really cool. Now, he says, he goes, and, and we have farm-to-table Wi-Fi. Throwaway joke. And then he leaves the room, and they both start going, what is farm-to-table Wi-Fi, huh? What is that? I don't even know. And it's like, all right, guys, yeah, just... Yeah, just you've thrown away whatever minor goodwill <laughs> your <laughs> from that tiny joke. witticism may have endangered in the audience. But, Speaking of goodwill, this movie relies on so much goodwill from the audience to... Like, they assume that you love these characters. Like, you saw that first movie which and Which, there like, are plenty of people who do love those characters, or love the first movie, at least. But the... But they assume you can't wait <clears throat> to see these people return. And that just seeing them is enough. Like, just just seeing Derek Zoolander standing there in a funny outfit, you're like, oh my god, thank you. That was what my life has been missing. Like, oh, the villain's henchman is back. Wait while well, I have an orgasm. Okay, yeah. movie, continue. <laughs> no, 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 it's not done yet. Okay, continue. No, oh, oh, okay, oh, okay, continue. Yeah, there was a scene at the end where, uh, like, people just were getting, like, unmasked, where it was like, oh, Kristen Wiig's character was... Mia Jovovich the whole time. And you're like, okay, well, this is just, like, great. Are we all supposed to applaud that that lady (laughs) remember from the first movie is in here? Because I wasn't wondering where she was. (laughs) I mean, at that point, I was like, oh, great, Mia Jovovich. That's great. She's not Resident Evil anymore. Yeah. I mean, she, look, I like her. She's great. I think that she's uh, always better than, like, like she gets credit for. And I think that she's got a I lot like of... I like her a lot. It's too bad that she's been trapped in Resident Evil land for yeah. a long time. And I think mm-hmm. that she actually has like a talent for like comedy too. But, uh, you know, what are you going to do? What, what, do you, I mean, what are you going to do, Elliot? Write a light what comedy for her, What are you going to do? Uh, 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 <laughs> Help I, Mia Jovovich. Shoot the hostage. <laughs> yeah, convince Quentin Tarantino to write the comeback role for Mia Jovovich. That's going to be too foot-based, won't it? It's going to be all feet. Oh, if you, you type in Mia Jovovich in Google and Mia Jovovich feet will come up, click on that. That's the screenplay Quentin Tarantino wrote. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Is she like a, like a winemaker's apprentice? She's <laughs> <laughs> just her stomping on grapes. That sounds like a Swedish softcore porn movie from the 70s. <laughs> the winemaker's <laughs> apprentice. <laughs> apprentice. Uh, so here, let's, you know what? We've ragged a lot on this movie. Yeah, yeah, it's not fair. very funny or very good, <clears throat> but and it feels like someone spent way too much money, and that hurts the film in the long run. And we don't even need to get into the ending where everyone uses their magic model look powers to stop a bomb from falling into lava. 
in the longest climax scene of any movie I've ever seen, where every character gets multiple jokes one after another, and there's just like twist reveal after twist reveal, right. and much to of very the, diminishing. Returns. But after, but also after uh, all these um, non-actor fashion icons get their individual jokes and reaction shots, and it's over like, and over again. It's like cut to them. Cut to someone reacting. Cut to their face. I mean, it's provided the service Who to me. Who is this of, movie for? <laughs> yeah, it did the service to me of of showing me something I never knew, which is that Tommy Hilfiger looks like Andrew Lloyd Webber. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and who this is, movie's give, who is the, <laughs> put it on the DVD case, I guess. Was that, was, that the, was, that the, was that the fellow's tan who you were insulting? No, no, that, I don't know who that was. Okay. There's some Italian fashion person who appears at the Valentino. Ending. Was that Valentino? Rudy yeah. Valentino? That's that's what someone said at some and, point. Is that his name? And yeah. he looks like he the, stood way too close to a microwave in 7-Eleven. looks like a real leather man. Yeah, he's just tanned too much. It's not a real looking tan. Stuart, we kept cutting you off. What were we going to say? Before, oh, I wanted to get to the good part of the movie. But, All right. Why do you want to say something, Stuart? Oh, yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, guys. Um, so I've had a pretty good week so far. <laughs> oh, okay, you know what? Forget <laughs> it. Seems sad. So this is I think we can all agree there was one shining moment, in the, was one shining star in the movie that there was, or maybe I'm speaking too much. There was one uh, character. You know, I've been the, working a lot, but it's been okay. It's okay. been fun. There was one character in the movie I found genuinely funny. And the guy performing it, I thought, was genuinely yeah, really you're funny. You're talking about Kyle Mooney, who's Kyle on Saturday Mooney Night Live as right a now. character named Don Atari, mm-hmm. who is supposed to be like the new design, new hot designer, but he's a very too I, much of a hipster. He's an ironic hipster. He's so a broy ironic hipster. He's though. a broy which exists. Yeah, I've met him, but like the and so he does. A, it's a lot of like, oh, this like he, he has a tattoo. He goes. Check out this guy. He's the worst tattoo artist. I love it. He has the stupidest tattoos. They're so shitty. I don't know. Look, I look, put it on my look body. At, look at what he did on my arm. And it's a tattoo of like, <laughs> what was it? It was like it's Colonel Sanders o- as Obi-Wan at, Kenobi. With, with a uh, cloak made with uh, pot leaves on it. <laughs> and he's saying, where's the beef? <laughs> and he's like, he's like, I hate it. Why would I do that to my own body? I got it after my, dad, my grandpa's funeral. It's terrible. I love it. So like that character, he pulls off so well where he's just like, you guys are so stupid. I love it. You're terrible. It's great. I love that. You're so lame. Well, there's like, like a weird honesty to his performance. Like everyone yes. else is doing these big, broad performances. And it's not like, in, I don't know, like in a better movie, it's not like they wouldn't be funny. But like he's committed to it on a human level in it's a way like that they are He's underplaying that character. If he was yeah. like, whoa, you guys, oh. Wouldn't work, but instead he's like, "Hey, oh, I love it. It's stupid, but it, yeah, but like it's the worst. It's great, but he does it like he just underplays it in a way that's very funny. And it's a character that like you haven't really seen before. Yeah, yeah, not and not char- in this type of a comedy. Not in this type of a comedy, and also like of all, it was like the only character. That's a point I hadn't realized until you said that. It's a character, the only character in the whole movie where I'm like, okay, I've seen that person existing in real life. Like okay. you're, you're poking fun at a real human being. That I've seen and met, yeah. whereas like this, all this fashion stuff is itself based around a fake image that other people project. Yeah, I mean, his, his like weird, fast talking accent with like bits of slang tossed in there is kind of how my little brother talks. <laughs> <laughs> love you, bro. Love wanna, you, Andrew. I want to meet this guy. <laughs> but I met him at my wedding. He. Uh, <laughs> He wants to meet him again. Oh yeah, I forgot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but this guy, like, <laughs> you, like you forgot right after your, your wedding, Dan was hit by a series of coconuts. <laughs> sure. A series of coconuts. A series of unfortunate coconuts. <laughs> 
But uh, no, this character, like, he also gets like a send off line that we like genuinely laugh for about a minute at. It was really funny. It was yeah, pretty funny. He's he he's uh, about to get his neck snapped by, by Will, Will Ferrell. Ferrell, and in a in a very quick cut, he's like. I should tell you. I, what was it? He say like, "I should tell you, I love everything and everybody really deep, really truly." <laughs> and then he snaps his neck. Yeah, it's yeah. like the moment because like it, he that, drops his ironic facade. <laughs> but even because like that's a part of that ironic hipster world now is a, a very intense forced sincerity. Yeah, like tra- navigating between this very like ironic love of crap and also being like, "Hey, I love, oh, I love you. I'm emotionally vulnerable right now. It's awesome." Like. Uh, that was the one character movie where I'm like, you're satirizing a real thing that I've seen, yeah. as opposed to like this. You're <laughs> what satirizing, are you satirizing? You're satirizing a no fantasy idea. world. <laughs> like it would be, it would be like satirizing. Maybe if we watched more, like uh, what's that? Uh, what's that show with Tim Gunn on it? <laughs> Project Runaway? <laughs> yeah, if we watch a shitload of Project Runaway. Peter Gunn. <laughs> Tim Gunn is James Peter Gunn's Gunn. brother. <laughs> it would be director like, James Gunn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Peter Gunn's TV show. <laughs> Great theme song, but uh, the, it it would be like satirizing like children's imaginary play with imaginary friends. We were like, "This is you know, this is not like a real thing." Like, <laughs> like a satire about imaginary friends. We're like, "I finally take the piss out of these imaginary friends." You know, these are not real people. You're satirizing, right? It's but whereas that guy, it was like, "Okay, this is a this is a closely observed thing," you know, and he and he performs it really well. So. I'm ready for the sequel about that guy. I assume it would be a prequel that mm-hmm. shows how he got to that point because nothing in the world can exist without a minutely described backstory. Wow, Elliot. <sighs> taking it to Star Wars right now. Hey, I'm not even thinking about Star Wars necessarily, but like everything, you know. It's everything be needs okay, it. All right. You don't want It's seem, not going to be okay, Dan. You seem really. Uh, it's not going to be okay. All right. Elliot, we Come are. Here. Ex- Come here, boy. Not until we make my karate here, kid buddy. prequel, Karate Baby. <laughs> Elliot wants to be an explorer. He wants there to be empty spots on the map to find. He doesn't want it to be all filled out. Look, yeah. there's a reason that nobody liked Tales from the Mos Eisley Cantina. Because I don't need to know how Moma Nadon got to the Mos Eisley Cantina. Which one's that? That's the guy who's got. Uh, he's one of the last alien you see in the whole like quick cut thing and he's got that long flat brown head he's the hammerhead hammerhead yeah sure as in the overkill song of the same name (laughs) sure okay okay cool so yes i guess what we're saying is zoolander 2 go watch that one guy's performance but don't watch the rest of the movie the i checked actually uh his big scene is on youtube so just look that up oh okay great there you go uh, but now it's the time to uh, make our final judgments about this movie, whether it was a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie we kind of liked. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. It's a bad, bad movie. Comedies are the hardest thing to watch when they don't work. And this one does not work for 98% of it. There there's, are, there's good, lots of good people in it. There's some jokes in it that are, I laughed at, but... Uh, there's a few good jokes. There's lots of good people in it. They, yeah. they can't pull it off. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think this is a bad, bad movie. I think for the most part, it's just kind of wrong-headed. Um, and it feels, if, at the very least, it feels like it was made 10 years too late. <laughs> it's, it's a movie that is wrong-headed and then keeps doubling down on that and going further in the direction that you don't want it to There go are in. some moments of strangeness, like the... At the very end of the movie, when Hansel meets up with his family and they reveal, you know, they talk about all being pregnant, 
and Kiefer Sutherland comes forward and oh, he reveals Jesus that Christ. he is no longer pregnant. He lost the baby while kicking open a door in an earlier scene. <laughs> and <laughs> Kiefer Sutherland sells the performance so seriously that we were all sad for a minute <laughs> because he was grappling Kiefer, with this loss. Like, Kiefer Sutherland's miscarriage. <laughs> <laughs> Which is presented as a joke. <laughs> and on the face of it, the idea of Kiefer Sutherland, a man, the star of 24 and designated survivor, mm-hmm. having a fetus inside of him, those which his, then uh, dies. I guess those are his big credits. Is a, is, oh, the cowboy way, sorry. Star of the cowboy way. <laughs> it is absurd on the face of it. And yet, it does not come across as a humorous moment. <laughs> yeah. Turns out, chalk up miscarriage with coded trans person as things that aren't funny in <laughs> this movie. Uh, anyway. So, yeah, bad, bad movie. They just did Look, they didn't know what they were doing. How could you they? You know, there were some celebrities that I was happy to see. The aforementioned Susan Sarandon. Susan Sarandon was okay for a moment. Uh, Christina Hendricks but is in it. But there's a scene where with Katy Perry and Neil deGrasse Tyson. Oh, that is my God. Painful. It is painful. Uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, Tyson has not seen a fucking camera that he doesn't go fucking ape shit over. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He's not Chuck Schumer. Let's not attack him, okay? Yeah, the guy likes screen time, sure. The movie I'm just imagining how now, like, how often Neil does- deGrasse Tyson in, like, a 7-Eleven, like, just standing in front of the security cameras. Just being like, hey, you want me to say, I'll, well, I, it's not like you're going to say fucking- anything about the cosmos? I will. It's not like he lost a fucking genie's curse or something. <laughs> Although the movie, the that, movie that what made it so that he has to be in front of a camera every seventy two yes. hours or he dies? Yes. It follows too. <laughs> the uh I mean the movie literally ends with a shot of Neil deGrasse Tyson and the joke is that he's in the movie, I guess. That he's doing a model it's like, face it's like not in a, the movie. It's not a fucking joke. He'll be in any movie if you ask him <laughs> to. Actually, you know what? He's like goddamn Ron Jeremy in horror movies. <laughs> if you go into the bathroom and say, say, say Neil deGrasse Tyson in the mirror three times, he'll appear right yeah, now. He'll just show up. <laughs> oh, go do no. it right now. Hold up, take hold up your phone, take a selfie. Look at okay, it. Okay, stop, the, the, stop the, the slumber party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go in, go All of you young people who like to listen to the flop house at your slumber parties. Stop it, right? <laughs> say Neil deGrasse Tyson three times, he's gonna show up. The only way to get rid of him is to say Bloody Mary three times in the mirror. And the only way to get rid of her is to say Candyman three times. Oh man. <laughs> After that you're kinda on your own. <laughs> no, you get Beetlejuice's help, then oh. you're on your own. <laughs> Uh, but there's, I will give the movie this. It showed the self-restraint that though, yes, the movie did end with an end title sequence that has all the characters dancing, it did not have an end credit sequence that shows celebrities all over the world doing Derek Zoolander faces. Because it very could have easily ended in that. Just showing shots and footage of celebrities, and then who knows, Bibi Netanyahu, Vladimir Putin, <laughs> who knows, Malala, like just doing just doing Zoolander face at the camera, you know. Mm-hmm. They showed yeah, the that's, restraint. That's they nice. showed the restraint. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, I would have drank myself to death by now, and I would be like one of those weasel ghosts at the end of Who Framed Roger Rabbit participating <laughs> on this podcast. Just covered in goop and dissolving. Which I think is our only the only possible end for the three of us is being three weasel ghosts. <laughs> three weasel ghosts. Just <laughs> playing little harps. It's going to be so hard to play the harp with my straight jacket and the razor I'm that's holding. The, that's the weasel you are? That's the weasel I always liked the most. Because when I was a kid, I was like the crazy characters. Okay, that's cool. Now, Dan, of course, which I, weasel I'm are you? Cool gangster. Uh, the horny one? Is that one of them? Are you thinking of Polly Shore? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I always kind of viewed Polly Shore as like an asexual being. 
Uh, maybe because he reproduces through budding. Yeah, I think I don't so. Know. That's what. Yeah, that's why he was in the biodome. <laughs> he was being studied. <laughs> he was a new new species. Yeah. Sure. Going into a bullseye interview, I know that it's somebody who does amazing work, but it's also a real conversation. So I don't know where it's headed. I think you just you just clarified something for me that's never been really clear before. This is the most serious I've ever been in my life. You've made me completely serious. <laughs> I feel like I'm in therapy. <laughs> Bullseye, creators you know, creators you need to know. Find it at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get podcasts. So now we move on to a few fine sponsors with fine products to hawk. And I'll be doing them. I'll be doing all the sponsors. Yeah, sure. Why not? Get ready. Let's join the sponsors. Switch it up. Let me back. Uh, uh, buckle my seatbelt. Buckle your seatbelt. We're about to enter the sponsor dome super tunnel rocket shoot. <laughs> First <laughs> sponsor. Load it up. <laughs> it's Black Tux. Looking great for a wedding or a special event has never been easier with theblacktux.com. That's theblacktux.com with high-quality rental suits and tuxedos delivered straight to your door. The Black Tux is giving guys a new way to rent. They italicized that in the copy. A new way to rent. That means it's extra new, extra rental. And get this, the Black Tux offers free home try-on so you can see the fit Feel the quality of your suit months before your event. And then, if you like it, you rent it, and they send it to you. The best part? It's completely done online. To get free shipping both ways, plus a free home try-on, visit theblacktux.com slash flop. I think there's a... we have Do a not sol- interrupt during the domain name. <laughs> I, it is theblacktux.com slash flop for free shipping both ways and free home try-on. I thought I, I was interrupting because we have a celebrity endorsement tonight, right, Dan? Uh, Which celebrity is endorsing Black Tux tonight? Dan. <laughs> well, this is clearly a pre-thought-out and written bit. I've got a big, big expectations for this one. Dan, wow me with the, with this set-up bit that you clearly have been working a long time on. It's a me, Mario. Oh, he's back. When I'm uh, going down into the sewers, I gotta wear my overalls. But that means when I'm on my off of the clock, oh, what, I like Mario's to wear fancy clothes. Wait, when, you, when, you, when you're on your off the clock, <laughs> when I'm yeah, when I'm on, I'm off of the clock. Oh, I see. Because I'm Italian and I don't work very hard. Wow. <laughs> this look. Okay, so this is not not affiliated with BlackTux.com. With theblacktux.com. What are you the, talking about? Theblacktux.com is not standing by Dan's comment. So let's just say. But now you see why I would interrupt you. Yeah. Oh, of course I see. So that we could offend people. Yeah, I love that. That's great. Let's move on to the next sponsor, shall we? So the Black. But Tux. I have a lot of more things. No, you don't. So theblacktux.com for high-quality rental suits and tuxedos. Don't go to Men's Warehouse, where, as I mentioned, I think, in a previous episode, I had a really bad experience renting a tux, and I had to go there both ways. Instead, theblacktux.com. And uh, we've got another sponsor. No kidding. This is another item of clothing that's got a color to it, but it's not a black tux. It's a blue apron. That's right, guys. Blue apron. We all know it. It's how you get fresh... Ingredients for fresh meals, and I mean fresh in the like 90s cool way, straight to your home. 
They deliver you meals at your house. How often is it, Dan? You're a Blue, Blue Apron subscriber, right? Uh, it's once a week if you, I mean, that's, I think that you probably could have other things, but I think it's just once a week. I don't, I don't know. know. It's once a week. Anyway. Why are you looking at me and not your phone? <laughs> I mean, I, I got it once a week. I just didn't want to definitively say okay. that no one okay. else could get it. You know what? Let me, let me, let me steer the boat okay. back to me. Hold on. Probably Dan's let's getting worked up. Go. We need to get him some chicken <laughs> soup or something. <laughs> well, well, let's do it through He's Blue He's probably apron. overtired. Because let me tell you, uh, our great nation was founded on the principle that all men are created equal, which is true. But not all ingredients were created equal. Check the Constitution. It's not in there. Okay. And so, fresh, or the Declaration of Independence. And so... <laughs> Fresh, high-quality ingredients make a real difference. That's where Blue Apron comes in. For less than $10 per person per meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. Dan, what was the last Blue Apron meal you had? Um, It it had uh, some pork in it. Okay, I've learned now three times (laughs) not to try to include Dan in the sponsor spot. I don't know why I keep going back to this poisoned well that someone probably threw a corpse into. (laughs) And that's why the water is not so good to taste. So all here's what to remember. Mario, talk about the well. (laughs) Well, who would better? He goes down pipes all the time. He's a plumber. For less than $10 per person per meal, you get fresh ingredients proportioned for that meal so you don't have extras. You don't have to worry about measuring stuff. It's my least favorite part of cooking, the measuring. Actually, my first least favorite part is waiting for it to finish. Second is the measuring. There's all sorts of different stuff. You're hungry boy. You can, yeah, because I'm because I'm because I'm, uh, I'm so hungry and my tummy hoits. That's you choose from a variety of new recipes every week. It's flexible. You can customize it for whenever you want it. It's easy. It comes with step by step instructions. It's guaranteed that it's going to be fresh. They've got a lot of amazing meals coming up and. Here's the thing that you should do. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash flophouse. That's blueapron.com slash flophouse. First three meals free with free shipping. Blueapron.com slash flophouse. Blue Apron. If you're going to trust a color of apron, make it blue. That's (laughs) a new slogan that I've created for them. It's a me, Wario. Oh, wow. I hate Blue Apron, but you shouldn't listen to me because I'm a villain character who's much like a bizarro Mario. Mm-hmm. Or like a Waluigi. Yeah. <laughs> a Waluigi? Yeah, well, there's Waluigi. He's like a Wario version of Luigi. Oh, Is there like that. a, a Woshi? I don't know. What about a Wood for Toad? I, I don't know these answers. What about a what I would recommend doing well is beach. go on to DeviantArt and look okay. up Wa Ode and Wa what do you say <laughs> Koopa Troopa? What were you saying? Uh, 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 Wa <laughs> Wa Beach. Do all those a things. Wa Wowzer. Uh, I will a say wear a troopa. I will say there's a weird amount of uh, I guess not weird probably a normal amount keep in, of keep in mind it is called DeviantArt. Yeah, there there. In the world on the internet, there's a lot of interesting pornography featuring the characters we were just talking about. <laughs> yeah. So think of that when you get your Blue Apron meals. Yeah. Try to swallow it down as you think about Wario, Mario, <laughs> Luigi, and all the rest having sex with each other. Dan, uh, what else are we? What else do we have? Oh, do we yeah, have the Jumbotron. Jumbotron messages? Burp, burp, burp. Jumbotron time. Jumbotron. Hey, guys. <clears throat> this collection of Comedy sketches written by Richard Jensen are guaranteed to bring a smile to geeks and non-geeks alike. In these sketches, you'll meet 
A demon from hell who can't buy a soul to save his own? A restaurant patron who uses modern technology to destroy a way... <laughs> to destroy a way too happy couple... Oh, okay. Okay, wait a minute, guys. Stop messing with me. I'm trying to read this copy. Yeah, sorry, that was my fault. <laughs> okay. A restaurant patron... Elliot flashed his breast at Stuart. <laughs> it was very distracting. Yeah, yeah, it was straight out of Repossessed. Yeah, I pulled a real South Beach Academy on you. <laughs> a restaurant patron who uses modern technology to destroy a way-too-happy couple who are ruining his meal. Friends who debate the effects of favorite movies on president politics. A woman who is way too fond of Jar Jar Binks. And many others. Fun for geeks and non-geeks alike. So are you a geek who likes to laugh? Richard Jensen's ebook of comedy sketches, Tales of the Geek Nation, is on sale at iTunes and Barnes and Noble. Mm. Barnes and Noble, you say? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Salino and Barnes and Noble. They're lawyers who sell books. Uh, yeah, so check it out, guys. Check that out. But now we move on to our next segment, our penultimate segment, you might say, Letters from Listeners. It's a thing that we do that allows you to interact with us, the Flophouse. <laughs> Stretch it out. Uh, the first letter. Sometimes there's one segment, and there's still another segment after that. It's called Penultimate. <gasps> ultimate is not what this segment is, but Penultimate. Is it the ultimate pen? No. That's not what that word means. But if you have a good pen, hold it close. Write with it every day of your life, because a good pen is worth its weight in ink. I think so. The penultimate segment of the show. After this, it's just one more segment left to go. So embrace us and cherish these moments with us, because it won't be forever. That will be with you, and then someday it'll be never, because we'll be dead in the ground. But our words will live on all around. We'll have inspired a generation, and then another generation after that, and another, and another, and another, until the Flophouse is the single most important thing in the history of human civilization across every Entire nation, and we'll destroy you, <laughs> Stuart. Would you turn. like to explain it's, the? It took a dark turn. Would you like to explain the artwork that you put in front of me? Yeah, I'm just googling. Uh, I'm googling singing. them Roger Rabbit weasels. Thank you for uh, calling that singing. Yeah, I thought you were going to say caterwauling. <laughs> so, so yeah, I found a picture that features. Uh, it looks like a Humpty Dumpty egg that is Roger Rabbit surrounded by a bunch of Sonic the Hedgehog style characters <laughs> and Pokemon's. Uh, it looks like it was colored with a coloring pencil, a colored pencil, a coloring which is, pencil. <laughs> that's what we call it. Okay. Sure, it is for when coloring. I was in my house, we call it coloring pencils. <laughs> um, but it looks like it was made with colored pencils. So I like that, like hands-on approach as opposed to all these digital effects nowadays. Yeah, yeah, sure. So I'm trying something. Hey guys, that last song, oh, it got a little harsh, a little rough, a little too tough, and I think it was enough. And this song is here to apologize for the roughness and toughness, enoughness, the gruffness of that last song. It was also too long. I think we agree that that's God the case. It. Maybe we'll try to make some more space next time <clears throat> for the rest of the show by having less singing. Let's ring a ding-ding-ing. 
Let's clang it, clanging. You know, to this bit, let's let it so, go. Elliot. Let it go. Let it go. Let's go on and on with the show. So, Elliot. The song never bothered me anyway. At work the other day, <laughs> your friend and mine, Lauren Sarver. Wonderful person, wonderful comedy writer. Uh, enslaved to a dog. Pulled out. <laughs> she has a dog that she that bosses her around, yes. Pulled out her iPhone and showed me a podcast that her friend was doing and pointed to the runtime of the show and was like, this is too long, right? Was and it, it like was 50? an hour and 45 minutes. Uh-oh. And I pulled at my collar of my shirt comically. <laughs> you, you closed the browser you were looking at. <laughs> Because it was underwatersex.com, which now redirects <laughs> to the flop house. Thank you. Thank you. For um, being a friend, travel down the road and buy us domain names. Your heart is true. Thanks for buying underwatersex.com. So, Dan, what do we do? Do, do, And if you threw some underwater sex, <laughs> we probably wouldn't show up. I'm sorry it's weird and it doesn't work as well as you think it would. But so if you're wondering how to unsubscribe, it's really easy. (laughs) Just tell, just say Siri. Just take your phone and throw it in a big bucket of acid. (laughs) Say Alexa, shut it down. And then Alexa comes with. We we all have like little red laser dots on our chests. All right, so I'm trying something a little different for this episode of letters more singing no it's uh i have five letters here but they're all one paragraph wonders they're all very short letters so uh it's just a little experiment oh yeah we're just changing up we're fun around here yeah yeah we're really breaking breaking the mold this one's from eric last name with <laughs> we're really we're eric idol i'm sure I really we I I recently <laughs> rewatched. I really can we rewatched. the letter? <laughs> this like so is it that because the letter's so short, you had to get that mispronunciation in and the misread as, as early fast as, as possible. I, could. <laughs> I recently rewatched Phantasm and it still held up, but I was struck by how weird it was. On paper, you can't describe it. A tall undertaker from another dimension uses embalming techniques to transform dead bodies into diminutive slaves, and also there are shiny murder balls. Looks like you just described yeah. it perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> but it somehow works. And eventually in the series, a quad shotgun. Mm-hmm. So two questions. First, what I mean, makes Phantasm... shortly. <laughs> so two questions. First, what makes Phantasm so effective? And second, are there any other movies that make no sense on paper but work really well in practice? Thanks, Eric Lastname withheld. I mean, what makes it work for me is that it establishes a dreamlike atmosphere. Yep. It feels like a child's nightmare. Yep. And it, that's why certain types of logic don't need to always apply in it and why things that aren't fully explained work for me. It has. It feels like a dream. And it, and it drives like a dream, too. Oh, yeah. Listen, listen to that. You can barely hear it. Listen to that, honey purr. Oh, come on. Feel that vibration in the seat? Barely. And there's, You're going 100 miles there's per things hour in right it now. That you, you realize it. There's things in it you, you don't. You ha- you don't see in other horror movies like these weird ass floating silver balls. Yeah, and the the fact that the movie has basically two locations and it defines them, I think, really well. Like there's both dreamlike, but at the same time, like yeah, there's a sense of the, their house and the the cemetery and real defined space. I know yeah. that's something you look for often in a movie, Stuart. Is yeah, a yeah, sense yeah. of real defined physical space, and they do a, an amazing job of that with those locations. And it's like it's and it's. It's a short movie. Like there's no there's no wasted time in it at all. Nope. 
all killer, no filler. Mm-hmm. So other and some movies, Phyllis Diller. <laughs> really? Every now and then, yeah. Okay, so every now and then. Uh, I'm surprised you didn't notice this. You've seen the movie a lot of times. Yeah, I, I look at my phone a lot. <laughs> so movies that work on that work don't work on paper. See it. Uh, Dan mentioned this question to us earlier, uh-huh. and I misunderstood it to mean movies that have like a kind of gaping plot hole but still work. And the one that came to my mind was Planet of the Apes, mm-hmm. in which Charlton Heston takes two hours and the Statue of Liberty to realize he was on Earth, even though he's been speaking English the entire movie, with apes that speak <laughs> English. American <laughs> English, with a, with a mixture of American and British accents. And there's no point where he's like, it's really weird that... I, it's weird enough that on this planet, apes and humans evolved, even if they evolved in this divergent path where apes are superior to humans. But that the English language, exactly as I speak it, arose independently on this planet, the odds are crazy. Maybe he got like a babblefish stuck in his ear or something. Possible, yeah. I mean, they do land in a lake. Maybe mm-hmm. a babblefish got stuck in his ear. <laughs> uh, you know, for me, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about movies that uh, that kind of rely on the general charm of the characters. Mm-hmm. So things like the uh, like Magic Mike XXL or uh, or even... Like everybody wants some the the movie that from this the past Richard year, Linklater one. yeah, which I loved. But they're those are both movies that like not a lot really happens. There's not much plot, and so much of it is driven by the fact that you're like, oh, I just like spending time with these characters. They're fun. Yeah, I mean, My Dinner with Andre is a movie that on paper does not work. It's just two guys in a restaurant having dinner and talking about whatever. But like, it's a really engrossing movie, and like. You, when you're watching it, you're like, oh, this is directed by a director who knows how to build dramatic tension out of two guys talking at a table. Like, mm-hmm. this is a really good movie. What are you going to say, Dan? Are you going to say something like, E.T. doesn't work because aliens don't exist? In uh, uh, Raiders, uh, Jindy doesn't need to be there. Uh, so I... Uh, 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 professor. <laughs> even though I got this... Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> ting tang wall all bang bang Even though I got this question early and uh, had plenty of time to think about it, I can't come up with anything, so I'm just going to say Tango and Cash. Okay, sure. I mean, there's also the two special Fs, two movies I have a special fondness for that other people have varied mileage with The Fall and The Fountain are both movies Mm -hmm. that, on paper, are incredibly hard to explain. But the effect when I watch them is very powerful to me. There's movies, too, that, like, have twists that... And and shouts. (laughs) Twists that people like have a problem with, but I don't have a problem with, and I think work in spite of themselves. Like, uh, like that, like that Steven Soderbergh movie about the drug. Oh yeah, I haven't seen that one. That one, that one. Yeah, you can spoil it. Contagion was that? Was it? Uh, no, not Contagion. Contagion is a good movie. Side effects. Side, side effects. effects. That yeah. has a twist in it that did not work for me. Um, but no, like the Prestige, like the end of that, where I it turns out movie. to be like a science fictiony, yeah, explanation. Like a lot of people lose that movie at that point but i feel like it david bowie's there dude but it really under like it underlines <laughs> i think that that makes the movie deeper because it underlines the theme of the movie that character being so committed to to both un, like un, both undoing the other character and his art form that he's willing to literally die on stage every night and in addition the one of the themes that the movie is building along it is that magic is only enjoyable when you know it's not real and when mm. when when the earth returns back to its normal state afterwards and that if the magician could actually accomplish those things in reality it would be terrifying mm. 
Yeah. It would be horrifying and 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 terrible if a human being had those powers that like a magic show is only enjoyable because you know you're being tricked and that means it's okay. You're not watching a wizard or someone with, with super science, you know. The speech you just delivered would have sounded great coming out of Michael Caine. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought of another one. I think he says something similar to that. I, I really like the movie The Phantom of the Paradise, and I think that like a, sort of a gonzo rock and roll retelling of Phantom of the Opera sounds terrible, but it manages to work in the in the filmmaking. I, mean, I thought gonzo was weird casting, but he really pulls it off. <laughs> It's me, the Phantom of the Paradise. Or something like Rocky Horror Picture Show. It just sounds so strange. That doesn't work on paper at all, but it casts a spell. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. When I was younger, I remember watching Rocky Horror Picture Show and being like, I don't believe someone wrote this. Like, there's songs in it, so it must have been written. But it's so crazy. Yeah. And it gets crazier as it goes along, too. Like, it starts with, like, one foot in grounded reality, and then just by the end, you're like, what is, am I... It, it loses. Am, by the, am I taking drugs? I don't the, understand. By the point when they're all in Bustier swimming in the pool, it really loses me. Oh, yeah? I'm like, I don't know what's going on in this movie I anymore. think that that kind of works because it's supposed to be like a late night, like back of a double bill science fiction show. So it recreates that feeling of like as the night goes on and you get sleepier, you're not really sure what you're actually seeing Okay, anymore. that's fair. I can see that. Um, anyway, so the next question is uh, titled, Dan is Amazing and a Question About Dune. <laughs> so Dan wrote this one. Since Dan's been asking writing... a lot of questions about Dune lately. It's yeah, from... is it... <laughs> why don't you just write this to fucking Tom Brokaw? <laughs> <laughs> it's from Ryan. He's the one who knows it, yeah. It's Ryan Withheld. Ryan uh, Johnson, director of Star Wars Episode Eight. Big you, fan. You guys a huge are, fan of his. You guys are the best, especially you, Dan. I do have a question regarding Dune. Is it worth it? I haven't read the books or seen the movie, but it seems up my alley since you guys like it. Anyways, keep doing what you're doing. I think you did write this letter, Dan. <laughs> Are you just trying to get us to answer whether or not we like the book's Dune? <laughs> I mean, the the movie, if you're watching it not for plot but just for crazy visuals, is is. I mean, it. I like it a lot, but, but the, I kind of grew up with it, so it's hard to... But, like, the book is a genuinely good book. Yeah. Like the first Dune book and the, the sequels, your mileage may vary, but, like, the first Dune book, I love. I think it's really great. Yeah, and if you if you end up reading it, uh, friend of the show Tom Fowler, cartoonist Tom Fowler, who made the lovely uh, Rocket Crocodile poster that we sell for charity uh, at the Mike's Fun Store, uh, he after reading Dune, kind of recently put together a uh, a selection of like basically cartoons of all the characters, and it's a really interesting uh, take on just like the outfits and the clothes and stuff. So that's Tom Fowler, and also like national newsman Tom Brokaw loves it. I so just, the two Toms like it. <laughs> and I started reading Dune literally three days ago. How far are you in it? Uh, my Kindle says I'm 14% of the way through. Mm, what do you think of those Sadukar? Uh, pretty I don't think pretty ruthless, right? <laughs> I don't think I've gotten there yet. How about that Baron Harkonnen? What a jerk. Yeah, I got, I've got. i read a little bit about him. What a cool guy. Fat. Yeah, and his evil Mentat. I imagine that dude likes to tweet a lot. <laughs> <laughs> He's always Instagramming Trenchance. his meals. <laughs> Topical. Uh, so let's move on. Dot org. On the speed round of letters. Slowest letters ever. <laughs> this is from Anne Marie, last name withheld. Anne Marie? I was listening to an old episode where Stuart was talking about them, so now I want to know. Elliot, do you ever call your son Sammy Rye? <laughs> no, I haven't. That's a good question. I have not. I call him Sammy Boy, Samson, Samolino. 
Samsonite sometimes. Well, the thing is, he's never he's just a little boy. You're nervous about you know committing him to that kind of a life of servitude. It's where he's serving his lord. But it's a life of the honor daimyo. is the thing. I mean, what it really is is that like. I'd be fooling myself if I yeah. said we came from a samurai lineage. We're Eta, if anything, mm-hmm. the lowest of the low. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you handle dead bodies. Well, yeah, Ellie, and, and, unless, and so if unless he, by some miracle, is named a samurai by a great lord because maybe he saved his life, I don't know. Sure. And the lord is particularly merciful. Mm-hmm. Then maybe someday he'll be Sammy yeah. Rai. Well, and Elliot's also scared that there'll be an estrangement between the two of them, and Sammy would have to become a Ronin. Which, oh, that would be terrible, yeah, where he yeah. would walk the demon's road of my fumato. Yeah, yeah. Ronan Farrow, hosting a <laughs> shitty show on MSNBC <laughs> before it gets canceled. Yeah, you're just making fun of him now because we were never allowed to make fun of him on The Daily Show. Uh, yes. <laughs> I can't confirm or deny that, but yes. Uh, this next letter is from Eli, last name withheld. Oh, Whitney. He says, do you guys have any advice for making a tough decision? Currently realizing I hate my job and terrified, yet also extremely apathetic about switching careers slash starting over, even if it'll make me happier. Thanks, dude. You're the sweetest peaches. Now, apparently, you mistook us for Mabim Bam, but I'm happy to... Hey, do you think there's a, what they would ever do a crossover with Mobius, the uh, comic artist, and do call it Mabibmobius Mobius <laughs> Bam? Well, first off, that would be great, except... Didn't Mobius die kind of recently? He did die a few years ago. That's pretty recently. In this crazy thing called life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, now here's, here's I'll give you a serious answer for this, because this is how uh, I... Advice for making a tough decision, if you forgot what the question was. This is how I make tough decisions. I'm a big fan of making pro and con lists and being very honest with myself about what the pros are and what the cons are. What is the What are the advantages to doing this thing? What are the disadvantages? Now, before you do that, you have to make a pro and con list about making a pro and con list. No, that's a waste of time, Dan. All right. Sorry. I apologize. He was being super, like, honest. Yeah, he was opening up his heart. Mm -hmm. He's opening open your heart to us. He changed (laughs) it. Go on. He changed the uh, the heart and we hold a bus. (laughs) He changed the tags on this podcast from comedy to self-help. Exactly. So I make a pro and a con list, and I'm very honest with how I think it'll turn out and what I want from this thing. Then I think, what is the best case scenario? What is the worst case scenario? And is the risk of the worst case scenario worth the payoff of the be- possibly the best case scenario? And then you just got to do the math yourself. Once you've laid out all the different factors, you can treat it almost like an equation and see what where the, where the heavier weight is and where it makes the most sense to make the decision. Knowing, of course, that any hard decision, decision, any hard decision carries some aspect of risk, and that even if it goes the wrong way, that risk can be empowering in that you are taking your life in your own hands and operating over your own destiny in a way that you don't really get that many chances to in your life. And so I would say you got to put a thought in it, be honest with yourself, <clears throat> figure out the factors, and then. Take a moment to recognize the power you have in that moment over yourself and your place in the world and just be satisfied with that. No, no, you got it all wrong. What you got to do is you have to be a passive figure in your own life and let your wife make all of the big decisions for you and Mm -hmm. then get divorced and feel completely adrift and unable to. (laughs) And then McDuff comes and chops your fucking nugget off. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Right? Yeah, that was what I was talking about. Macbeth. You're talking about Macbeth. 
That's right. <laughs> I can't think of anyone else that that refers to, what you were talking about. Chops your nugget off. <laughs> First off, Dan, I'm sorry that you were having a moment of emotional honesty and I had to bring it back to the bard. No, 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 no. Dan interrupted my moment. I don't think I interrupted. I think I <laughs> waited calmly for you to... Oh, no, wait. It was Stuart who interrupted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I stepped all over it, threw salt on your moment. Now yeah, it's my you, turn, you boys. on both our moments. I got... Two things to say. First off is I do all my best thinking when I'm either jogging or when I'm in the shower because I have or nothing to distract. Or in the shower jogging. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I mean, if you can invent a jogging shower, that'd probably be great because that combines the two activities and then I don't have to waste any time doing them that separately. That sounds pretty sweet. Yeah, because I mean, you if, you're lucky, if you're lucky, you'll just slip and break your neck and you'll never have to make a decision ever again because <laughs> yep. you'll be dead or paralyzed. And then my little weasel ghost would fly up in the air playing the harp. <laughs> just playing a little harp. <laughs> uh, the the other one is is basically something that I, I I know I said to you when you were leaving The Daily Show, which is... Dan doesn't know I like If you had the... <laughs> I think if you had the opportunity and you don't mind doing the work... Uh, it's always a good idea to try to bet on yourself hmm. um, because I don't. I think a lot of people don't don't really do that enough, uh, and it's it, you you deserve to take a risk a couple times in your life, and as long as you're willing to put, as long as you're going to work for it, you should do it. That's a good point. So I hope that one of the one of the advices you got today. Helps you, Eli. Probably not mine. I mean, mine and Stuart's are mutually inclusive. Mm-hmm. You can, they both can work together. Yours, of course, is a cry for help <laughs> in a cold, dark world, as if from the bottom of a deep well. Yeah. Stuart is comfortingly shaking Dan's shoulder right now. <laughs> so, much, a, much as a not particularly emotionally open hockey coach would to, to, a, to a player who has just learned that he has youth cancer. <laughs> Sorry, youth cancer? Is that different from regular cancer? Yeah, it's hip and it's, cool. It's hip and cool, yeah. It's ironic. <laughs> it, it, it eats Gogurt, I guess? It, it eats Gogurt and it's always on its damn phone. Um. So this last letter is from Christopher, last name withheld. Columbus. It's, Where am I? Is this India? No, Christopher. You're on the New World. Mm-hmm. It's titled, I'm going to stop making the Harry Potter movies. <laughs> <laughs> Mario, what are you doing here? <laughs> it's called $700,000 Idea. And it goes like this. The Thriller music video, except they're cats. And at the end, Cat Michael Jackson opens his eyes and they're human eyes. <laughs> Surprise, no one's done that yet. Wait, so they would be cats the part and they the, turn into cat people? That's the part of the podcast where people that are really high send us ears. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna, Dan, I would like that if just as SNL puts its weirder and often best sketches in the 11.25 p. Oh, no, sorry, in the... 12.55 a.m. slot. Yeah. I would like it if you would put the weirdest short letter at the last end of the, le- the mailbag. I'll try and do that from now on. The best part about watching that music video with the cats <laughs> is that <laughs> you're going to see them and you're going to be like, those cats are adorable. I love them. This makes me so happy. And you're going to see that ending from a mile away, but when it happens, <laughs> you're still going to crack up. No, it's going to look weird. A cat with human <laughs> pupils? It's going to terrify you. Oh, boy. I love cats, but if my cat looked at me with human eyes, <laughs> Jesus Christ, can mm-hmm. you imagine? Imagine it. I demand that you imagine it, Stuart. I can see you imagining it. You're smiling. <laughs> You're smiling. Uh, oh, 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 it's, no, it's no, starting no. to worry you a little oh, bit. You're look. a little frightened. 
Uh, now he's looking at his phone. <laughs> <He> got bored. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now we go to our last segment of the evening, which is recommendations of movies you should watch instead of wasting your life with Zoolander 2. There are few movies I've seen where I felt such a more palpable sense of I only have a limited the, amount of time on Earth. Why am I doing this? That the art form has limitless possibilities. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I felt. I mean, is it my least favorite movie we've ever watched? No, that would still be Home Sweet Hell. But there, but even during Home Sweet Hell, I didn't get that feeling of like, I missed out on helping my wife, my son, to bed tonight because I had to leave to get to Dan's to watch Zoolander 2. <laughs> what am I doing with my life? But I'll just put him to bed tomorrow night. Sure. I mean, you have infinite nights to put him to bed. I yeah. feel like uh, that's like a Christopher Nolan movie, right? <laughs> well, no. It's that movie. It was the sequel well, to... Well, Genie casts a spell, <laughs> and it lets you put your bed to, kid to bed infinite nights. It was the sequel to First Night with, with uh, Sean Connery, Infinite Nights. <laughs> oh, wow. Which was about way it's in basically, the future. It's multiplicity, but with Sean Connery from First Night. <laughs> King Arthur just... Ha- he doesn't have enough time to get around to do all the things he needs to do, so he clones himself. But Merlin's spell is a little wonky, so the clones come out weird. So I never saw that movie. Was it super sexy, Dan? <laughs> First <laughs> night I'm talking First about. Night? Are you asking me? Yeah. Uh, wait. The- it felt like a, kind of like an exotic Marigold Hotel type movie. <laughs> like it's sexy. <laughs> First but for, night? It's, yeah, it's, it's a retelling of the King Arthur story. No, but it's like sexy, but now, for the olds. All right. What? <laughs> What now? What kind of exotic marigold hotel are you talking about? Because you just said exotic marigold hotel, and I don't know. Oh, probably the, the best quality. Oh, okay. <laughs> now I, I want to see. I want to see someone give it. Uh, the, the, the movie is this: these old people talking about their vacation. They're like, eh, "It wasn't the best exotic marigold hotel. Yeah, it was one of the better exotic marigold hotels." They're going through Yelp. Yeah, like, like this marigold hotel is, you know. Subpar compared to many marigold hotels I've stepped in. Of course, that. the best, the worst, the worst is when they can't pay the bills. The building gets bought out by the mm-hmm. by a big chain and becomes the best Western marigold hotel. <laughs> Loses all of its local charm. Yeah, I couldn't. I'm sorry, I wasn't engaging your first night uh, talk because I was looking at the Flophouse recommends page. Because, uh, yet again, I have not watched a movie recently. We watched Superman four the other night, Dan. Yeah, in preparation I, for a very, very fun day, which should be happening when this episode is released. Or a week, bef- uh, before, a week this Oops, a week oh, before this episode. Oops, oh, it'll happen, so, no, oh, you mean a week before this episode? No. The yeah, very before. Where, yes, a week before, yes. This will be, so sorry, actually this will be released, we're recording this before Very, Very Fun Day, we'll be releasing it a week after Very, Very Fun Day. So yes. hopefully, uh, we haven't been locked up and kept in jail in Chicago. Uh-oh. For being too dang charming. I mean, if they could put up with, like, the Blues Brothers, <laughs> I think they could put up with us. Where does that movie take place? Uh, it takes place in Chicago. Okay, yeah. great. That's what I thought. Um, now, who's so, in it? <laughs> well, you got your John Belushi. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your Dan Aykroyd. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. You got your Aretha okay, Franklin. So the brothers yeah. of Jim Belushi and Peter you got Aykroyd. Yeah, your... Uh, yeah, your Ray Charles. I'm assuming there's you a got your Why is Brian Cab Calloway. Is that uh, Brian Donald Doyle Duck Marina? Dunn. I'm assuming he is. Wow, you got your Carrie Fisher. You got your John Candy. Okay. Why are they you all mine? Your- Do I have to take care of them? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> when you they have a lot of illegitimate children. <laughs> Who are older than me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Look, uh, I can't 
explain the wonders of quantum physics to you, Elliot. I mean, I literally can't. Let's get Neil deGrasse Tyson in here. He's a he's a, he'll hear on anything. <laughs> hey, it's me, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Hey, wait, I thought you said this was going to be a video podcast. <laughs> okay, <laughs> see you later. Peace. <laughs> For some reason, I thought you were going to oh, be like. Oh, he just left. Well, that was amazing. Danny took one of your books. <laughs> you were, for some reason, I thought you were going to go, hey, it's me, Neil deGrasse Tyson, pizza pie. Cosmos. So let me recommend a movie that. I, re- I realize now Stuart and I could have recommended our movies in the times that you were looking up your phone. I know. Rather than vamping, waiting for you. Well, we, well also, no, we I could have been recommending monologue. my movie in the time that we were doing not-so-funny vamping after I, <laughs> after I got off my I phone. I thought you still needed time to think. No, no. Um, so Or whatever it is you do that's like thinking. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Too mean. I apologize. That was too mean. And not accurate. You're very smart. Um, and very thoughtful, ladies. Thanks. <laughs> so uh, the movie that I was I was looking into wacky comedies because Zoolander put me in the mood for a wacky comedy in the mind of a wacky comedy. In the mind of a married man. And, in the uh, mind of a lunatic. In the mind of a killer. <laughs> I like a rec- I like. I like a recommend. I thought you were going to say I like erections. <laughs> I like erections. I give, I, mean, I give my recommendation to having an erection. <laughs> try it out. It feels weird at first, mm-hmm. but like it, then it feels good. Yeah, two stars. I'm, Easy. <laughs> I'm sorry, people without penises. Uh, I don't want to exclude you. I mean, I'm sure. I hope that you can enjoy sexual pleasure in some form. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not familiar with it. I don't, I don't understand how it works if an erection's not involved. But uh, no, I want to recommend a wacky comedy that I enjoy, which is... A Shot in the Dark, the oh, second okay. Pink Panther movie, in my mind, possibly the best Pink I Panther would say movie. The, I would say better than Pink Panther. I mean, it's definitely better than Pink Panther. Pink Panther is not really an Inspector Clouseau film. It's it's more of a David Nevin movie, and Peter Sellers is also in it. Yeah. Would you uh, call, what would you call it better, Return of the Pink Panther? Uh, the, the, other, the only other one that I think is kind of close is the one where... Uh, Herbert Lomp's character, Inspector Dreyfus, is trying to blow up the Earth. Really? All right. You don't like that one at all? No, I like it. It's just I like Shot in the Dark much more. No, I like that. I'm saying Shot in the Dark is the best one, I think. It's just people have never seen a Pink Panther. Really? That's okay. I've never seen a Zoolander until tonight. When I was a a kid, uh, I think my parents tried to get me to watch one. And when I realized there wasn't like a cartoon Panther character, I was like, fuck this. (laughs) Bitches. I will say that whenever Peter Sellers is not on screen, or to a lesser degree Herbert Lom, it's pretty boring. Any Pink Panther movie, like they're they're they have that problem of '60s comedies where it's there's there's a dragginess to a lot of it. Yeah, but uh, Peter Sellers is so funny as that character that he carries those movies, you know, for the most part. And uh, Shot in the Dark is the finest one. It's the tightest one. It's based on a play. So it kind of keeps and it. And you know that makes great movies all the time. <laughs> no, but it like it keeps it from sprawling too much. Like August some of Osage the other County, baby. Later, and, Pink Panther movies got. Well, it was also <laughs> August Osage County. It was also uh, one of those. It was. It was before Peter Sellers had gotten to his, and Blake Edwards had gotten to their. Peter just kind of walk around and do stuff, and it'll be hilarious mode. Yeah, which it event, which the movies eventually got to, and the movies it took and more. The movies, movies got like weirdly racist as they went on too. Like there are a lot more, uh, like Peter Sellers putting on, like as Inspector oh, Clouseau yeah. putting, putting on, on costumes. costumes and being characters of other nationalities. Yeah, pretending to be Chinese and things like yeah. that. 
But then, and also, it had what it took. What took Zoolander two movies, I guess, to get to. It took the Pink Panther movies longer, which was like they just got too big. Yeah, and two special effects. There's which one is it that ends with that him and Cato get into a get into the like Pink Panther mobile at the very end, and it breaks down, and it's a super unfunny gag that takes forever because they have to get into this stupid looking car, and then it just breaks down. Yeah, I don't know. Like all of the later Pink Panther movies have such interchangeable names, they might as well be Fast and the Furious films. But a shot in the dark. Uh, sets itself aside by being good and having a memorable title. So, and it's got one of the greatest Henry Mancini themes outside of the original Pink Panther theme. Yeah, it's a the, the main theme is great. Well, yeah. Not the not the the Streets of Paris. The no, the one that's like, or and it plays a couple different ways throughout the movie. Yeah, the swinging way version of it that plays the News Colony. That's a really good song. Yeah. There's a scene where Peter Sellers bumbles through a nudist colony. What more do you want out of but a movie? But it's like a quick-moving scene. That's yeah. the thing. It's still a little long, but it's not. it doesn't take forever. Yeah. That's a good recommendation, Dan. Thanks. A good recommendation for once. Okay, so I'm going to jump in here. Uh, I don't think I talked about this on the podcast, um, and uh, we, we brought up Debbie Reynolds earlier, but uh, well, it was a couple of weeks ago now that Carrie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds passed away, mm-hmm. and... Uh, that the night that Debbie Reynolds passed away, my wife and I watched Postcards from the Edge, a movie I hadn't seen up to that point, and it's really great. Uh, it's a movie based on uh, Meryl Streep's, or not Meryl Streep, Carrie Fisher's memoir, where Meryl Streep plays a uh, Carrie Fisher analog, basically, and uh, Shirley MacLaine plays a Debbie Reynolds analog, um, and. It's just this great little story about an, a woman, uh, an actress kind of dealing with the general shittiness of Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got, it's held together by these amazing performances by these two actresses. Um, and it's rare. It's, it's great to see a movie about a mother daughter relationship that is both interesting and dramatic, but it isn't so, like, it's not all melodrama and it's, I don't know. It's just really great. And the little details of Meryl Streep's performance, the way she, uh, my wife was talking about how Meryl Streep shows both a like love and a respect, but also such hatred toward her mother in some of those scenes. It's just so great. Uh, yeah. So check it out. I'm going to recommend a movie about, uh, so Let's let's not let's make no bones about it. We're living in a time where the person who's in charge of our country is it's kind of frightening where it's going to go and what he's going to do. We're not going to fight you on that one. Okay, good. And I know you guys are. I know, I, Stuart, I see that hat you're wearing. So are, that's <laughs> yeah, yeah. It says uh, this bud's for you. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> why not for it's, me? Yeah, this hat this. says "Make America Grape Again." I don't even <laughs> oh, know what that's that means. What it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a California raisins thing. <laughs> uh, uh, and at, yeah, no, I mean, we're basically, I'm assuming you're going to be recommending the Super Mario Brothers movie because, <laughs> because the president reminds me so much of Dennis Hopper's version of Bowser yeah, yeah. or King Koopa as he's also, yeah, called. big Bowser to his friends, dude. No, but, uh, I've been thinking a lot about movies that take place in uh, the uh, person that I feel like I've been hearing a lot of comparisons between the president and is Mussolini. Mm-hmm. And I uh, was, so I'm thinking about movies about Italy under Mussolini, and one that I saw a little while ago that I found more affecting 
than I thought I would, and I kept thinking about it afterwards, is a movie called Love and Anarchy. It's a Lena Wertmuller movie, and it stars Giancarlo Giannini as this guy who is kind of a yokel from the sticks in Italy. It's it's the time Mussolini is in charge, and he's a guy who kind of has nothing to lose and decides he's going to be part of this conspiracy to assassinate Mussolini. And he's supposed to meet up with a prostitute at this one brothel in Rome. He's going to hide out there, and she's going to help him accomplish this assassination. And he falls in love with one of the other prostitutes there and finds himself kind of torn now because he thought he didn't have anything to live for, and now he kind of does. But he feels like he needs to accomplish this mission and doesn't know how to uh, uh, embody these these two different drives of finding personal happiness or making this huge political impact. Uh, and it kind of shows just how screwed up anyone's life is under a government that is doing terrible things. There's, it does a, it's does a little bit too much of something European movies do, which is romanticizing brothels as places where the ladies are all kind of like the ladies are in control and having a grand old time. And the clients who come in are just kind of like bumbling fools that they, that they have fun with. But I feel like, at a certain point, the movie accomplishes what Sucker Punch was trying to accomplish, where it's like, hey, look, this guy's living at a brothel, and there's women in their underpants around him all the time. Actually, it's not that fun place to be. You shouldn't ever fant- You shouldn't have made the mistake of fantasizing about that or seeing it as a fantasy. And the movie has a far more wrenching ending than I expected. Uh, but it's really interesting, and, the, and I think it was really good. It's called Love and Anarchy. All right. It's okay, Italian. three movies. Italian. Italian, you know who really just loves like it? Mario. Just like a Mario. <laughs> hey, it's a me. I like whatever that movie was that Elliot was recommending. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't really, really paying I attention. I wasn't really listening, but uh, I think I'm going to like it because it takes place <laughs> in my home country of Italy. <laughs> I'm going to watch it while I'm lounging around in my black tux, huh? That's me. That's that's a callback. That's uh, a no. That's a good boss. That's a <laughs> that's a good callback. There ain't no sanity clause. <laughs> anyway. Uh, well, that's been us for now. So let's, uh, <laughs> let's say thanks to our network, Max Fun. Sure. There's a lot of great shows thanks on there. Thanks to our network, Check Max Fun. Mm-hmm. There's a ton of great networks. You should listen to <laughs> Wow, you, <laughs> you really weren't listening. Or that's the level of care that you put into this. I think it's more that's the level of tired I am. This is, I, uh, lately I've been noticing I, when I'm usually pretty good without sleep. I haven't been getting a great num- amount of sleep lately. And I'm starting to recognize that it's affecting me, and that I, well, I'll, be, I'll be like, okay, Sammy, got to get you undressed for your bath, throw your clothes in the garbage, and he'll be like, Daddy, you just threw my shirt in the garbage. I'm like, oh right, sorry, I thought that was a hamper. Uh, that's, yeah. Let me get that out of there. We're like, look, time to wash your hands. I start putting toothpaste on his toothbrush. He's like, Daddy, no. <laughs> like, well, that's the thing you were explaining to me that as you saw. You're that. a real Mister Mom. <laughs> You but saw I used the, to be a Mr. Dad. You saw that TV show, Supernatural, finally at 200 episodes. So you're like, I got to finish it. I got to watch all these apps. <laughs> that's why it's been Got to find out what's happened to the brothers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. And I guess uh, I'll finally pick up Charmed. No, seriously, go. Uh, <laughs> what a show, that Charmed. <laughs> go uh, check out maxfun.org. There's a lot of great Max Maxfun shows. Fun.org. There's a lot of great shows. If Throwing Shade, Oh No, Ross and Carrie, The Adventure Zone. What uh, uh, what channel uh, picked up? Is that what what channel is uh, the Throwing Shade show on? I think. Oh yeah, cool, awesome. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah. excited for that. And, uh, and my brother, my brother, and me have their show coming up on CISO. Mm-hmm. There's TV shows all around, man. 
And the, since this is coming out after Very, Very Fun Day, thanks to the people of Chicago for what I assume will be a a, a tumultuous, amazing welcome that you're going to be giving us and the other shows. And the uh, casserole pizza that my wife and I are going to eat and immediately fall asleep for three <laughs> days, I'm guessing. Uh, but it's been a delight to be with you, but we got to go. Thank you for the flop house. I've been Dan McCoy. Hey, you know, I'm Stuart Wellington. And I'm Elliot Kalen, and I want you to just remember, hey, do something good for someone every single day. You'll feel better. Pay it forward. We're backward. Sideways? Good night. With Paul Giamatti. Streaks on the channel. Who cares? Could you see the look on my face when I was like, when can I jump in with the Mr. Belvedere theme? Oops, I keep missing. I somehow picked it up from your brain. Saw the look on my face. You saw the hamster wheel cooking up. <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.